Okay, so how long should you work at the same company? Go. Six months. 20 years. <laughs> okay, so that's a 10-year Somewhere average. Somewhere in between there. <laughs> I'm a bouncer. <laughs> Still a 10-year average, so you're telling me I should quit. <laughs> you're listening to Working Code, and now your hosts, who wish they were Boolean, so the next time they're wrong, it's only by a bit. Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. Okay, here we go. It is show number 64. And on today's show, we're going to talk about quitting your job or not quitting your job. I don't know. We'll see. But as usual, we're going to start with our triumphs and fails. And Tim, it's your turn to go first, man. So I'm going to go with a triumph. So I, a few weeks ago, I talked about I had a sales demo fail where we were in front of a client and we're doing a demo and a technical demo and it just, it didn't work at all. Right. And so lesson learned. I'm like, we are not doing this again. I had another big technical demo that we had to do today with with a client, very important client. And I, I just made sure we got, I got up early, got the, we're like basically mocked out. We took their existing system that they have and modified it to kind of show them how it can integrate with our APIs and, and the things that we have that the product they were trying to sell them, trying to just get them a, a feel for how it worked. And so built a slide deck, just actually looked at some of my competitors information that they had and kind of copied a lot of what they did well that we don't do well and had the sales demo today. Everything went smooth, very smooth, worked great. And I was in sales and marketing for a period of time. And I know that there's certain things when someone here sees a demo and they go, Oh, thank you. We really appreciate that. We'll be in touch. That's like Mm. the kiss of death. (laughs) Don't call us. We'll call you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But when they start talking, okay, well, how long would it take you to implement? Or what's the pricing look like? And we need to know the R. They start asking those buying questions. You're like, all right, they're considering this, right? We're yeah. in the running. And so they started doing that. Like half the conversation, an hour and a half long conversation, half of it was those questions of, all right, they want us to like get statistics and stuff to show them how this is going to help them save money and things like that. And so they start doing that. You're like, all right, we did good. We, we did good. So you know what? I hated failing that last time, but sometimes you need a failure to know you need to pick up your game and level up. Nice. Was it with Vandalay Industries? Vandalay. <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> it's, it's, a sign, it's a Seinfeld reference. Oh, okay. So I was going to piggyback on your failure thing. My son failed a class, like two classes, oh. actually, his first semester in mm. college. And I think what you said is very accurate. It sometimes takes like hitting a failure, like actually failing to understand that you don't want to fail and that you need mm. to do better. So yeah. it's a hard lesson to learn and it sucks yeah. when you're learning it. But on the other side of it, it is bright. So you're like, I don't like this taste in my mouth. I don't want to taste no. this again. That's pretty much where he was at. He's like, I'm sorry, I'm not doing that again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm like, yep. So All right. Well, Carol, how about you? I'm going to gonna go with you too. I have a triumph. Yeah, I run a scholarship pageant every year. Um, this is my sixth year doing it. And nice. I always stress out before it and don't want to do it and say I hate this. And I don't know why I sign up to do it every year. And then once it starts, I get super excited and everything just kind of falls into place. Well, this year I've had a very hard time getting people to help. It's mm-hmm. just volunteers are non-existent. But somehow I just... 
made a post, said, please help. And people just are showing up last minute. I don't even care that it's last minute. I can't really plan for you to be there, but it's last minute. They're showing up. They're putting their hands in there and we're getting it all done. So not this weekend, but the following weekend is the actual pageant. So I'm excited to see the final turnout and how it all goes. So yeah, it's all going together and working out great. So So what is a pageant scholarship? It's a scholarship pageant. So it's a beauty pageant. (laughs) It's okay. It's uh, high school kids. So they basically compete for a $500 scholarship to college. So we just send it to whatever college they go to. So it's 500, 300 and 250. So yeah. Very cool. So what do they have to do? What do they have to do? They have to sit in on an interview. So they write up an application that goes over their hobbies and what they're into and just their act. like their activities at school and stuff and they get interviewed by three different judges so it goes over their speaking skills their ability to have a conversation it's a 10 minute interview which is a long time to sit and talk to three judges when Mm. you're having to control the conversation for these girls so that's 40 percent, and then they have casual wear evening wear and then optional talent so yeah very cool can i piggyback on that a little bit so yeah. it just reminded me so the, the our the school the high school that my kids go to they're having a i think this is a really cool idea it, i don't know who funds it but it's a cyber security kind of workshop nice and so what it is it's all extracurricular they get a 500 dollars win and they also can if they advance they can like get a scholarship for a significant amount of money but it's really interesting. It's like they have to learn Python to like, yep. they give them stuff and say, all right, you need to figure out, go to call this API. And the, the key is between these numbers and figure out how to hack it so that you can get to the API because the API is not, you know, secure. And so they, it's, and it's quite intensive. I mean, it's a legitimate, if they actually get to the end, they can get a certificate in like cybersecurity that uh, is good for college. And, and it's a competition. The top three people who place get $500 each. Nice. And so then the kids can all see their scores. So I think my son, Max, he started doing it. And then he saw the scores. He saw he had like 20,000 and someone was above him had 30,000. He's like, oh no, that ain't going to (laughs) stand. So he's been going hard at it. I mean, like for hours on end and he's now at like 50,000 points and and in the lead. He's like, yeah. In, in, In true valedictorian fashion. Exactly. Yeah, I was right. going to say he's competitive. <laughs> yeah, he's he's competitive. He's like, yeah, these folks aren't going to beat me at this. So, how long does the competition run? So, it, it, they started it like about four weeks ago, and okay. it runs until April. So they have that time. So I think like the like around the first week of April they have, and so whoever has the highest score at the end of that gets the money. But yeah, I don't see anyone. I don't see anyone knocking him out of the top three. Yeah. The way he's going at he, and he's really enjoying it. And and some of it, I mean, it's, it's I. He started like asking me some questions like, Hey, dad, how would, how do I do this? I'm like, so I'm looking at it's all most of it's Python. I'm like, I don't really know Python, but yeah, it's like, I'm like, this is actually some pretty advanced stuff. So I'm just glad that the states are doing this kind of stuff to to teach kids. Actually, they're teaching them how to be hackers, which is kind of concerning, (laughs) but (laughs) they're they're hoping they'll be white hat hackers. So it's really back end funded by the CIA. Don't tell me. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They'll knock on our door and take them away. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I'm glad that uh, he's getting to learn that because that's really exciting. Yeah, man, I'm glad you're doing the scholarship thing. That's fantastic. yeah. Yeah, it's fun. I enjoy it. All right. What about you, Ben? What you got going on? I'm also going to go with a triumph, but it's not so much a personal triumph as it is sort of a group triumph. At, yeah. At work, there's just like 
everything is going wrong this week. And it's one of those, to illustrate in my JIRA board, I've started to use the little red siren emoji in the titles of cards that are like top, top priority so that Mm -hmm. I can differentiate the like ultra top priority from the mega top priority. Like it's that kind of a week (laughs) and and everybody's feeling this pressure. It's just, it's just a confluence of bad timings, things breaking, dealing with customers that are migrating and they're having issues, et cetera. And the triumph is just that everyone has taken it in really good stride. And it's kind of, yeah, it's, I'm on these calls with people and we're talking about how crazy everything is. And we're all sort of just laughing about it and not in that we're not taking it seriously, but we're just, everyone is just rolling with the punches. And I don't know, there's something about that feels so healthy that it's not just chaotic evil and everyone is stressed out. It's more just, we know we're going to get through it. We just have to do it and, and not kill ourselves trying to get there. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, it's what's made this week bearable because otherwise this has been a pretty stressful week. But, yeah. It has been so long. This week Yo. has felt like it's never ending. It's been bad. It's definitely one of those weeks. Yeah. I I know, it, it flew by for me. So. No. <laughs> you and your fancy sales demos. <laughs> and you're not eating. Yep. <laughs> anyway, uh, Adam, what do you got? Well, I'm going to round it out. Four triumphs this week. And yeah. And so today, as this episode airs, at least in our public feed, is going to be March 2nd, and that is going to be my 10-year work anniversary. Dang. Congratulations. Thanks. Assuming I don't get fired between now and then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you you jinxed it. Yeah. So I already have the blog post written, ready to go, the important stuff. Yeah, very cool, man. That's so great, though. Yeah, it's kind of exciting, and it's like it's made me question it a little bit, right? Like, is 10 years too long? It's yeah. a good segue into our topic. Like, yeah. It's almost like we planned that. I know. Right? I know. <laughs> I, I do think we need to take a moment here. I do believe this is the first time we had four of a kind. What? For triumphs. Mm. Yeah, for triumphs. Could be. Could be. I'm going to go, I, I'm going to go buy a lottery ticket. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, it's a good job. Good job, team. It's yeah. a good <laughs> We're winning. We're winning this good week. Way to win. Hey y'all, it's Carol here. I love to read, but I have no time to just sit with a book in front of my face and read. I always am multitasking to accomplish everything I need to get done in a day. So when I'm driving the kids around or I'm working out, I can use Audible to get quality reading time in while also achieving the goals I need to to maintain my life. One really cool thing about Audible is they also include a wide selection of free books with your monthly subscription. And it's not just books. They also have podcasts. So you can listen to your favorite podcast like us over there as well. So if you want to support the podcast and get a free month subscription, head on over to workingcode.dev slash audible and get your free trial. You'll also pick up a free credit for a book and you can browse all of that free material and see what I'm talking about. Again, that's workingcode.dev slash audible. Happy book adventures, my friends. Okay, so how long should you work at the same company? Go. Six months. 20 years. <laughs> okay, so that's a 10-year Somewhere average. Somewhere between there. <laughs> I'm a bouncer. <laughs> Still a 10-year average, so you're telling me I should quit. <laughs> I, I think a better question is, what's the pros and cons of staying long-term, right? Yeah. Versus jumping around. Yeah, for sure. I think there's a lot to be gained from being at a company for a long time. I, have, I'm, I think I'm coming up on my 10-year as well. 
in the not too distant future. And uh, there's opportunity costs. I could have been Mm -hmm. learning some other technology, but I think there's something to be said about going really deep in a particular application and a particular set of technologies. And I have a very particular set of skills. (laughs) (laughs) You get to develop an instinct about an application after you've worked on it for a really long time. And you can, you can see things more clearly and you can see paths forward more clearly. And I don't know. It's, I think it allows you to bias towards action, which is like one of my favorite phrases in the last couple of years, because you sort of have already done a lot of pros and cons evaluation. You're storing all that information in the back of your head. And I, I do think that when you stay at a place for a long time, you get effective and productive in a way that probably takes years to, to really develop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I mean, I completely agree with everything you said, especially like the opportunity cost thing, right? Yeah. No matter what decision you make, even in other things, right? Not just this particular issue, there's going to be pros and cons. There's That's what a decision is. And so you're, if it's you're leaving money on the table to take a job that you like, or it has some perk that you like, or you're getting a bunch of money, but it means you got to wear a suit every day or whatever. I guess it's not something I did intentionally, but I feel like my path, it, at least in terms of like number of years at a company, seems very advisable, right? So my first job out of college and I worked there for three years and then I moved to another place and I worked there for three years and then it was bought by another company. So kind of another job and I worked there for three years. Then I moved to another place and I worked there for three years and now I've been at this place for 10 years. And I feel like those short stints were a good opportunity for me to like start from nothing, realize how little I know when presented with a new domain, an opportunity to grow. And then as you start to to transition between jobs, obviously you're going to get a good pay raise between them. That's generally the advice, right? You're going to get a few percent per year on average as a cost of living increase or a... Uh, merit raise. But on average, I would guess just by virtue of changing companies, you're going to get at least two or three times that, right? Like 10 to 20% is kind of expected in most cases, especially early in your career. And then, so you do that a few times and you grow and you become like a senior developer sort of thing. And then this is what happened to me. I kind of got lucky. I found a place that I really enjoy working that has very few drawbacks. And it's, it's just been like easy for me to plant roots. And stick yeah. around. Yeah. So I think if you have the opportunity to follow a very similar path, I say it's worth it. Yeah, I will say leaving my last job when I was working with Tim, leaving the roots was the hard part. It was leaving the connections I had built with the people and that, I mean, it really feels like your family. Like when you've been somewhere so long, you know the ins and outs of the people, not just the application you're working with. So yeah. leaving that and starting over with people who have no idea what's going on in my life or what I'm capable of, it's intimidating and challenging. How long were you there before you left? So I was at Silvervine for six years. Then mm. I went to a government job for a year and a half. And then I went back to Silvervine for almost two years. And then I left a second time. So, and I've been here a year and a half almost. Yeah. And for the people who stay, so it's one thing to be at a, at a company and then leave and you have to sort of start over. But I think there's also something to be said about the people who stay. And you're talking about losing those roots, but to some degree, they're losing those roots also because now oh, yeah. they have to redevelop that kind of relationship with the people who are coming in as replacements. And there's a tribal knowledge that starts to just leak out of the company. And 
No one can remember what it was like four years ago because <laughs> no one was here four years ago like you were kind of a thing. Yeah, ab- an- absolutely. The first time I left, I'll never forget sitting in my office at my new job. And one of my old coworkers called and said, hey, there's this process that <laughs> none of us can remember. And they're screaming at us right now because we don't know what we're supposed to do with it. And I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, here. This is what you have to do. I'm like, but get a pen and paper and write it down because you need to know how to do this. You need to remember it. So it it is good that you still have those connections with people, though, when you do leave, that they can call and be like, what is that thing that we didn't know about? Yeah. I also, so there's also a level of institutional knowledge. Ben kind of talked about knowing a code base and everything, but outside the code base, just kind of knowing how a company works, who the players are. Anytime you go into a new environment, there's traps that you mm-hmm. don't know, right? And, and oh, no one's going to yeah. tell you. There's sort of there's sort of the hidden office politics that, mm-hmm. that no one really knows about. You haven't been really exposed to it, and you're going to walk into those uh, tar pits. If you've been around, like, so for me, I started working at what is Silvervine 20 years ago. So, I mean, I've been in the same company. It's honestly, I work for myself. I have my own company prior to that. So as an adult it's really the first non-self-employed job I've ever had. Started in 1999 and as a part-time and then full-time in 2000. And so I made 20 years last year. Dang. So, yeah, I, I, and I feel that there's a lot of advantages to it, right? So... Is that when they give you like the, the keys to the executive bathroom with the bidet? <laughs> and the- <laughs> yeah, all right. No, actually, so 20 years, they gave me like uh, $2,500 to spend on travel personal nice. travel so i can yeah so they gave us basically we can go on a trip personal trip and then like re- get reimbursed up to twenty five hundred dollars so that's nice but i think the advantage of, of me having stayed here for so long because there's been tons of opportunities. i get headhunted constantly right and the, the money that they offer me is significantly more but the reason i don't take it is twofold one the personal connections i have with the, the people that i work with right i, I just feel a, a level of loyalty to my workmates. And two, I feel like I'm really building something. So I'm not just an individual contributor. I was for a period of time, but and now I feel like I'm really, I'm building products that I really believe in. And I'm sort of the de facto product architect, right? So yeah. it's, I'm designing it. I'm seeing the need. I'm going out and making connections that I need to do that. And so I just really want to, I, I think, I feel like I'm on top of a really big market right now that's completely untapped and that if i can just get over this these challenges that i've been going through the past few years to get it going i just feel like you know, it's just going to take off and it's going to be huge personal upside but also upside for the company right. and so when you're in that position you have to say hey we can maybe give you twenty five thousand dollars more a year it's like yeah i, I would really like twenty five thousand dollars or fifty thousand dollars more per year but i would really like to see where i can make this i I'm more interested in what I can create with my team than I can just, someone's just going to give me more money and just be another cog in the machine. Right. So money is great, but it's not everything. It's not everything. Yeah. No, it's not. Yeah. I agree with that. One, one thing that I was thinking about though, just being at a company for a really long time is you outlast a lot of your managers, I assume. And that can be an actually tricky situation in terms of your own career growth, because what happens when your your longest lived manager hasn't seen you for the past? You've been there for six years, but your manager has been there for a year 
and how do they really evaluate your progress over that time? And does every new manager that come in sort of have to reset on what it means to be a Tim or a Carol at this company? (laughs) (laughs) That's that's a good point. Although funny story. So our current GM, so the person I report to, she interviewed with me when she was trying to get a job at our company and I did not hire her. (laughs) In fact, she told that at at our, our latest, our annual company dinner, she was giving my 20 year award. She told that story about how she came in. She and I had already picked someone to hire because I was just, just looking for a developer. And she came in. She had a lot of good skills, but I just like, you seem more like a project manager. I only took the, because I already scheduled. I didn't want to cancel on her. And so I was like, I didn't hire her. Now she's my boss. <laughs> <laughs> she's not just your boss. She's everybody's boss. Yeah, she's everybody's <laughs> boss. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of funny. Yeah. But yeah, I know I get what you're saying. It's like if you're if the person you're reporting to doesn't realize your history there, they might not. They may, well, I don't know, Ben, maybe they'll like need to rely on you for some, for some background, right? If you can make yourself available to say, you're new here, kid. Let me explain. Let me explain what's going on. <laughs> I'm Tim. I win. Thank you. No. <laughs> you could just put exceeds expectations in all the things. There you go. There you go. These other boxes, they don't work yet. <laughs> yeah, they don't work. <laughs> that sounds familiar. One thing that gets brought up on various podcasts is the idea that someone has a career for 10 years and is their career 10 years long or have they essentially relived the same year 10 years in a row in terms of skill level and general understanding and proficiency. And and I wonder if that the idea of growing your skills is at odds sometimes with changing jobs. Because if you have to imagine there's a ramp up time and you have to get familiar with the system and maybe familiar with a new language and a new application architecture, a new front-end architecture, new build tools, et cetera, et cetera. Are you fundamentally growing your skills or are you sort of reliving that same six months that you lived at the previous company before you can really start to enhance your understanding of how computer systems work? I'm not saying that's true. I'm just saying I'm wondering if there's a if there's something about staying at a place where you really get to put your pedal to the metal and grow those skills and not have to worry about catching up with, with what other people are doing. So I feel like I do have the opportunity to learn skills and advance what I'm doing when I'm starting something new. Yeah. I have found myself sitting at a job for a long time and feeling like I couldn't go anywhere else. And I didn't have time to learn anything else or advance what I'm doing because I just had to support what was already there. So the burnout prevented me from advancing anything outside of exactly what I had to do every day to get through that day. Whereas when I do start something new, I have that six months to go, I am so focused. I'm so motivated. I'm going to learn. I'm going to do better. I'm not going to let burnout from before impact my ability to do better here. So I can see the correlation. I can see like what you're saying, but I don't personally feel like that I have that that happened to me. I feel like I grew each time I made a transition. No, that's great to hear. Yeah. And I mean, I think the exact same thing could be true on the other side of the coin, if that makes any sense. So you were talking about stagnation because you change jobs and you're just kind of repeating that on-ramp and off-ramp over and over. I think it's also entirely possible to have stagnation 
because you're not facing any new challenges. That's, that was the first thing yeah. I thought of when you were saying like reliving the same year over and over. Mm-hmm. If you just get a new project and it's like create some CRUD forms to update some tables in the database and, and display some reports. And then next year you get another project and it's CRUD forms Same and thing. reports. And yeah. <laughs> then you're not growing, right? You're not facing new challenges. And that's a different kind of stagnation. I don't know if there's a pro or a con, so I'll just call it an aside. Some advice I would say. So I, I mentioned earlier, I, I do get headhunted pretty regularly. And I, as probably most programmers and people who are in technology do. I wouldn't know. I uh, have all LinkedIn emails sent straight to spam. <laughs> oh, they call me. Oh yeah, they, they I call. Get, I yeah. They've called personal my, emails. Mm-hmm, they've called my bosses before. What Ooh, personal email, work email? No, I, I yeah. yeah. So I don't know. How, I got on some list somewhere at some point, but I, I say don't ignore that. And the reason is like, so you never know. You might be loyal to your company. Your company might be loyal to you. That is rare these days. But if you're in that position. And it sounds like we have several people here talking on this podcast that are kind of in that position now. You know, what happens if your company fails, right? You fail or the economy goes really bad and people have to get laid off for reasons that outside your control are outside the company's control. Having those relationships with the recruiters and with people that have offered you jobs in the past is good to just kind of keep those up if you can. So that way, that kind of takes the fear away when that, that call comes in and says, hey, we're having to close shop or we have to lay some p- people off and m- maybe we'll get back to you later and whatever. At least you can, you have those connections. Yeah, you can reach back out. Yeah. I think that's another um, good reason to attend conferences and network yep. with oh, yeah. your peers, not just with recruiters. And speaking of which, we do have a jobs channel in our Discord. So if you want to join our Discord listeners, uh, please do. You can post some jobs or look for jobs. Yeah, absolutely. One thing that I think is very interesting about staying at a place for a long time is that likely the tools and technologies that you'll be using will start to feel a little outdated. You'll be using the old XYZ and you're seeing everyone on Hacker News talking about the new ABC kind of stuff. Um, yep. Like like cold fusion. <laughs> but, but what I think is fascinating about that is that if you then stick to it and you continue to do your job and you continue to build your product or products or do client work, you start to realize that it's not the tools that hold you back, right? Because you find ways to make the tools work and you evolve your understanding and you start to think about different ways to architect within the confines of the tools and the build systems and whatnot. And you start to realize that they're not nearly as limiting as you maybe first thought they were. And that can really give you a very, I think, enlightened perspective on the technology landscape in general. Yeah, I mean, for sure. There, I just saw an article not too long ago about how COBOL developers are kind of like a dying breed. There's not very many of them left, but there's so much code, especially throughout the government. Mm-hmm. That, like you know, Nobody's going to know how to maintain and let alone port to something else. So it's a a whole new sort of like Y2K crisis, except it's just the (laughs) when the last COBOL developer dies. And they literally set their own salary. Yeah. Like they get paid whatever they want. Yeah. I I used to program COBOL. Maybe we should get back into that. There you go. There you go. Yeah. We had a coworker at my government job that just picked up weekend contracts and wow. made almost as much as he was making in his salary from just what? the contract work because he was charging ridiculous amounts to have to deal with it because he knew it was going to be legacy and a pain. Wow. And he also knew there was nobody else to do it. So <laughs> they had no choice. Yeah, I picked up COBOL when I was like 14, 15 years old mm-hmm. just for fun. You didn't invent COBOL? 
<laughs> Shut up, Adam. <laughs> so here's another one that could be a pro. It might be debatable. People could argue this, but that's fine. When I hire people, if I see that they like jump around like every year, that's a red flag for me. Absolutely. Unless mm-hmm. unless they're in sales, it's hard. Salespeople are a completely different breed. But we're talking developers. Yeah. If they're like jumping around, they're like eight months here, a year and a little bit there. And it's like they just kind of move constantly. I'm like, this is either a person who is just they're going to do the same to me. And I don't mm-hmm. want to spend the time training them and, and not get anything out of them. Or they're just incompetent. And they just work for a period of time, collect a salary and go somewhere else, right? Yeah, hang out as long as they can until they get fired. But then at the same time, if I see someone who's like 10 years at one place and they their title stays the same, I kind of wonder, well, are they not are they not a person who's willing to progress? So my advice is if you do have to put it on your resume, at least list the company you're at, but also list like things that changed, even if it's not a title change, like, right. So I was on this team and and at least shows some level of progression inside that long period of time where you're at one company. So that could be a pro could, could be a con as well. It reminds me of there's that scene in a Silicon Valley when they're doing interviews for hires and they're looking at one guy's resume and they're like, it says here that from 2010 to 2011, you crushed it. And then, (laughs) and then from 2012 to 2015, you also crushed it. So we'd have believed that from, 2012 to 2013, you were not crushing it. Crushing it. (laughs) (laughs) The guy, it's funny, the guy that they're treating, he's like, well, yeah, I had some personal issues going on that did not allow me to crush it at my usual (laughs) capacity, but rest assured by the end of the year, I was back to crushing it full time. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you, I have an emotional thing, which is that you, as I've talked about many times on this show, I am on the legacy platform at work and it's with technologies that I know like the back of my hand. And, and today that allows me to move really quickly. And I know the data structure is extremely well. And I know the database schemas like extremely well. I know everything and I know that's going to come to an end soon and I'm going to have to move to another team. And it's, I'm going to go from a big fish in a small pond to a small fish in a big pond. And that's a, uh, you're going to go from the only fish in the pond. <laughs> <laughs> and that's uh, that's really going to be very emotionally difficult for me. I know I know for sure it is. Does it help to think of it as a local maximum? Do you, are you familiar with the terminology? So if you're climbing mountains, right? And you so you're proceeding up the side of the mountain and you get to the peak, that's good. You're at the peak of that mountain, but then you look and the next mountain is over. It's like twice as high, right? Mm-hmm. So you kind of go down a little bit and, and you don't go all the way back down to the bottom, but you go down a little bit and catch up to the other mountain and then you just go up even further. Yeah. So you can kind of think of like, you've gone as high as you can go here and now it's time to make a little bit of a lateral move and start that next adventure up. Yeah, I, I, I know. I mean, I, and, and it, it'll be like people who've had a stroke and then they have to... <laughs> And then they have to relearn. I'm curious how to, now. <laughs> they have to relearn how to to walk and talk, depending obviously on the level of the stroke. But it's, it's like their brain; they know that they can do do these things, and they're telling their body to do it, and the body's just not responding. And it, it like that's what it's going to be like. I'm going to get into situations where I'm like, I know I should be able to do this. History tells me I should be able to solve this problem really easily, but I'm looking at this syntax. And I don't understand it. I'm looking at this event stream API and I don't know how to use it yet. And it's like, I'm telling my body and my hands to do the things on the keyboard, but it's not happening. And it's going to be that it's going to be very frustrating. Mm. 
It's going to be humbling. Oh, it's going to yeah. be super humbling. I mean, this past month, so I have a developer that he's worked a little bit in Scala, but not a whole lot. And normally he's .NET. And most of the stuff I've had him work in the past is .NET. But I had to move him over to do some Scala work. And it was frustrating for him, right? So he was used to like just crushing it. <laughs> as, as the Silicon Valley reference is, he's used to crushing it. And now he's like, it, functional programming is completely different than object-oriented programming. And, and he was just having a really hard time wrapping his head around it. I, I felt bad for him. I didn't let him struggle. I, I got some consultant to c- come in and kind of help him out a little bit and he, he got over it. But yeah, I think it's a little humbling to to go into something and realize you're no, no longer the expert in yeah. the field, right? And you're going to, that, that's a little humbling, but it's also, it makes you hungry, right? It makes you hungry to become that expert. That's where my passion to learn kicks in and mm-hmm. that drive to go figure it out takes over the fear of not getting it right or the fear of not knowing it or letting it get the best of me. My passion to learn something new really like shines then. Yeah. And, and to his credit, he, I don't, ex- I never expect people to work on weekends. I don't think that's fair to ask people to work on weekends. I've actually never done it in my entire career, never asked people to work on a weekend, but he on his own, he's like, he was so frustrated. He's like, was just doing study and research and work on Saturday to figure it out. Needlessly so, because he didn't figure it out. He spent an hour with the consultant that I had hired to, to help him and he figured it was unlocked. But yeah, I think sometimes you just need that little bit of, of humility and a little bit of uh, hunger in your belly to, to get over that hump. I'm a big book learner. Sorry, total tangent what for a mean? second. I, I love reading books to learn stuff. Like okay. if I'm going to approach a new technology and there's a book on it, that feels to me like one of the easiest ways to just get started. And I don't, do, do they do, are, are technology books, are they being written anymore? I mean, they are, but I, I feel like I used to walk <laughs> into a Barnes and Noble and there'd just be shelves and shelves of programming books. And Now the section's very small. Now there's just tumbleweeds. The, yeah, the mm-hmm. section's very small. It's like Python for dummies. Yeah, it's like Python for dummies. Yeah. It's all Funko Pops now. That's all it is. <laughs> Funko Pops and D&D games. <laughs> what is Funko Pops? They're, they're like little like cartoon characters, but they're like little bobblehead kind of looking things. I don't have any Funko Pops, but I do have this Obi-Wan Kenobi bobblehead. <laughs> yeah, I, I think books are all electronic now and audible. And I cannot learn that way. I can't pick up a book and just read it. Like I have to be hands-on doing something and interacting. So I do really well with like Udemy because it's very interactive and there's someone talking to me, but just trying to focus on just a tech book. Yeah. My ADD does not like that. (laughs) I think video tutorial courses kind of killed tech books. You know, they're not dead, but in terms of who has the majority mind share. Right. I can't copy and paste out of a paper book. (laughs) (laughs) What do you mean? You did that as your whole childhood, Tim. You like, or- I can't. I, I, it's atrophied, man. <laughs> but you're right. That was my entire childhood. Computer magazines and basic programs. <laughs> so I think to pull it back into the topic, one of the things that makes me nervous about joining a new team, joining a new company, and being thrust into a whole new set of technologies is I feel like my old learning strategies, which was sitting on the couch and reading a book all weekend, I don't know if that's as relevant anymore. And so it's it, not only do I have to learn new things, but I have to learn new ways of learning those new things. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I haven't had to flex that muscle in a really long time. 
So you're going to learn to write COBOL because there's lots of books on that out there that you can pick up and read. There's Just probably go from no, one super outdated language yeah. to an even more outdated language. There's probably not a single video explaining it. Yeah. How many videos are there? Kind of what you're talking about, Ben, though. It's like, so it's not just if you're moving teams or you're moving companies and you're changing languages. Every company is going to operate differently. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And and how they deploy, how they code, how they lint, how they unit test. Yes, Ben, they lint. They lint and unit test. It's going to be different from maybe what you're used to. And you're going to have to learn those things. Yeah. Yeah. This is a top, I suggested for our topic today, talking about training new developers, because it's something I'm not very good at of training people. I'm more of the school of just throw them in the deep end and go, ha figure it out, sucker. But yeah, I mean, how well someone can train you to say, look, here's how we do it. Here's our methodologies. Here's some documentation. Here's how you deploy things. Here's how, here's our code standards and things. How well you do it, that depends on how well they are at transferring that knowledge to yeah. you. Yeah, I believe that. So another challenge, I mean, I, I, this is definitely pulling something from way earlier in the show, but another challenge of sticking with the same tech for a really long time. So Ben, this is something you said, like the not changing your stack and, and trying to glom onto the new hotness, the wherever the bandwagon is going has advantages. You get to know the language really well, but at some point the problem becomes nobody has ever heard of this language and coming out of school, people have never heard of it and, and they have no interest in learning it, using it. And so you start to not be able to hire anybody yeah. to work in that stuff. So it's like, it's a double-edged sword, right? You kind of have to, you want to wait it out and make strategic investments in a platform and technologies that are going to stand the test of time. And hopefully you pick the right horses and you want to ride it out for as long as you can and then do it all over again. Like Cobalt. <laughs> or you do like Tim and maybe, I don't remember who it was. I'm going to blame it on Tim. You go to the local college and tell them that we're recruiting out of your school. So you should be teaching this language. So then they start teaching the language. <laughs> That's exactly what I did. So now these kids are coming out of school knowing cold fusion. <laughs> yeah. Although they stopped teaching that class, yeah. unfortunately. But yeah. You're like, hey, we want to recruit, but there's no tech for it. So yeah. teach it. And yeah. they're like, cool, we'll teach it. <laughs> yeah, Adobe had this initiative where they had like college courses set up and they, I mean, they actually did a pretty good job setting it up and then they just completely abandoned it. That's right? a bummer. Yeah, it was a bummer because I mean, but I think they abandoned it because there wasn't a whole, I mean, I think me and maybe two other people actually successfully got into colleges. They yeah. just didn't have good college outreach on it. Mm. So in summary, should you stay or go? I mean, it is completely up to you. There are pros and cons to both. Definitely pros of just having connections, deep knowledge. There's cons of opportunity costs, possibly lower salary. People aren't going to give you, if you jump around, you're going to, you're going to get better pay usually. But ultimately, it's what works best for you, right? I mean. Yeah, I think early in your career, what you need is a mentor who hopefully is like outside of your company. So this person is looking out for you as a person and for your career, not necessarily what's best for the company. And that outside perspective can be yeah. really useful, which again is another great reason to attend conferences and oh, yeah. meetups. Local technology mm-hmm. meetups are a great place to meet somebody like that. Or join our Discord. We have tons of opinions <laughs> yes. that we can give you about your career. <laughs> no shortage of opinions. Yep. So this episode of Working Code was brought to you by Quitting Your Job and listeners like you. <laughs> if you like what we're doing here, you should consider supporting us on Patreon. We have a bunch of really great people that help us out over there and we appreciate every single one of them. Special thanks go to our top patrons, Monty and Peter. If you'd like to help us out, you can go to patreon.com slash working code pod. 
All patrons get early access to an ad-free version of new episodes and they get our after show. Are you staring angrily at your phone because you could have contributed something valuable to the conversation that we missed? It sounds like you should join our Discord so that you can go talk to a bunch of other like-minded coders and share your knowledge. Go to workingcode.dev slash discord to join. That's going to do it for us this week. We'll catch you next week. And until then, remember, your heart matters regardless if you stay or if you go. (laughs) You've been listening to Working Code with your hosts, Adam, Ben, Carol, and Tim. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and review on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. We'll catch you on the next episode of Working Code. Oh, we got to start. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) That's got to be blooper material.